You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get a minute. Get on. And welcome to CarCast, man. Girl, it's Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea over there. Hello. Hello, man. Lots of car stuff going on in this world, and we'll get you caught up on a lot that's going on in our lives. First, I will uh, tell you about uh, CarCast, brought to you by Zybar. For better engine performance, horsepower, fuel economy, lower underhood temperatures. You always want that, Zybar. It's an ultra-thin coating that reduces radiant heat by 90%. Put Zybar on. Take heat off. You visit Zycoat.com. That's Z-Y-C-O-A-T. Zycoat.com. Check it out. All right. So we're back from uh, Rensport. Yeah. And uh, lots of uh, activity and excitement over there. Lots of Porsches. All Porsches. The best and the most. I I don't know what was missing. Um, there was... Uh, 80,000 spectators plus, I think, showed up. I didn't hear that number, but I did hear that it was so far like the largest attendance at, uh, at, at one of the Ren Sport events. And I know we, it's we just looked a few it years up. Into it. We looked yeah. it up, and it was 80,000 and like change. Wow. So it was uh, quite, quite well attended. Uh, we were there. Yeah, it was. Uh- Official attendance was 81,550, the highest attendance at Laguna Seca in five years, easily breaking last uh, Rensport Union, which had uh, just a little over 60,000. That sounds like it could have been, to be clear, they're saying the largest attendance of any Laguna Seca event? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said at the track. Wow. In, in, last, uh, five the last five years. Rensport pulls more people than, <laughs> than the know, Rolex that, Historic. The car Week, yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, but, um, I mean, uh, indie races or Motorcycle Week or yeah, whatever they're, yeah. they're doing over there. So It's probably because we went. Yeah. It's, it's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, we... Uh, we had some suspension issues and the way the car was set up and we changed a bunch of stuff and then we got there and then realized a lot of the stuff was wrong and the car just sort of pulled to one side and it, it just, it was, it was frustrating. Um, we did a ton of work here at the shop and you know, the, I think the bottom line is no matter how much you know about cars, you don't know everything about all cars. And there's just uh, there's just stuff that's not knowable. And that's why testing is probably uh, yeah. an important part. And in this case, testing would have been just pushing it across my parking lot <laughs> yeah. without the engine running and seeing how hard it pulled to one side. It's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I know Sean and, and, and Jose worked on the car and they, you know, they, they got the wheelbase dialed in. They got the alignment dialed in. All the numbers checked out. Everything was perfect. Uh, but something just must be wrong with 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 the frame of that car, the unibody, if you will, or, or sort of the front box area. Something's a little tweaked. Something's a little bent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you just dial in the numbers perfectly, the car won't go straight, right. <laughs> which we figured out. Uh, Pulled hard to the right yeah. and uh, the new A-arm, I don't know, control arm. What arm is it that I keep missing out on? Well, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, either way, the the front control arm. It wasn't with us. It was back at the shop and we needed it because the 
That was more like a strut rod. The edict was put the thing back to how it was when it was off. Yeah. Because at least we knew it But it was really off. That was the thing. It's like it looked odd. Like it was like the wheelbase on the driver's side was way different than the passenger side. And it just seemed like it couldn't be right. Right. And so I had this uh, automotive Sophie's Choice, which is we got the caster and the camber and everything laid out and all the devices and measuring devices and everything laid out and moved everything and got it all evened out. And when it was all done and I got in the car and started to drive it out to the hot pit, it just started pulling to the right without me even touching the steering wheel. And then it would just keep pulling to the right. And then it was like, oh, something's wrong. Yeah. And now at that point, with all the numbers lining up, but the car pulling hard to the right, the only solution is put it back to how it was when it was way off, but it tracked. Yeah. You could drive it. But you're left with a sense of, you can drive it, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. how something is definitely bent, and 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 putting that funky version of of the alignment on there is just compensating for a pretty bent, you know, frame of of if you will, or over the course of the years of the restorations and stuff, and 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 different races, and you know, maybe something's got moved somehow. Maybe some some control arm mounting points or the the tabs that are where where it bolts into got got welded back or you know a different location. It just like it really just needs to be all kind of squared up again and remeasured, and maybe just on a on a on a frame bench and machine and see if we can. Yeah, straighten it up. But there is there is a version of putting it up on the rack and at least start measuring to know really what it, what it looks like it's going on. Uh, I'm at a couple places. One is is I'm just going to take it to a place that specializes in these tubs and 911 tubs and whatever and does race cars and whatever and just go put it up on your expensive machine, get out your lasers and your, yeah. With your potentiometers and figure it out. Like at least or, let's or maybe get the a diagnosis. frame machine and see if it's straight and if it's not, it needs to be twisted. <laughs> yeah, and I get into this with Sean a lot. Where Sean goes, I want to do the work, and I go, You can do the work. I want to get an analysis. Like I want, All I want, right. the, I yeah. want a professional diagnosis, and then you can fix you. I'll, we'll fix it in house. Yeah. Our problem is, is we don't have a jumping off point. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we don't know. We don't straighten out 911 tubs for a living. We don't know what 911. These guys probably have the jigs yeah. for the tubs that screw in on the pickup points and stuff that we don't have any of that stuff. Right. So I want to try to get this thing straightened out. Not yet, we don't. <laughs> Not yet, we don't. <laughs> right. So uh, I went out there with the kind of a weird sense of, hmm. Now, you have to also understand that. If you do the Rolex Historics, the Historic race, then the field in your race might be 50 cars, might be a big field. It will be a big field. And there'll be your Decon Monzas and your 935s and your sort of your hard chargers. And then there'll be some guys in some smaller bore cars, non-turbo cars, and then the handful of uh, kind of 
weekend warriors, you know, just guys who go, look, I just want to be out there and participate. I'm not, I'm not going to be a hard charger. Yeah. I'm not going to push anybody in the pass or whatever. And so you get this sort of hodgepodge of sort of hard chargers mixed with, well, the guy's driving a 914 and he's got 200 horsepower and kind of skinny tires. Yeah. And he's just kind of there with his wife to enjoy himself as a hobby. You know, he's not he's not planning on being up front. He's just – it's a thrill just to literally participate. Mm-hmm. And for him, it's almost just a step up from one of those like, oh, we're doing the 17-mile rally where we drive from the Quail Lodge up to the track and then back down to the whatever. It's yeah. a slightly – it's a more intense, more vigorous, more whatever version of that. But it's not – I'm here to win the race. The thing about Rensport is there's 47 cars out there, and they're all out there to win the race. Like, these are hardcore Porsche guys. Some guys have a lot more horsepower than others. There's differences in cars, but they're out there to drive. Like, I've never seen a harder charging pack of, like, RSRs in my life. Those guys are going at it. And, again... And in your run group, that guy in the front in the Interscope car, that dude was on a mission. Like he was, he wasn't about winning. He just wanted to lap people at that point. Yeah, he almost <laughs> he, was, he almost hit me. <laughs> um, and so now I have now it's kind of in my head where it's like eh, there's 47 cars out there, and none of them are bullshitters. Like they're not <laughs> right. just oh we're gonna go out there and take our uh, bug-eyed sprite out for a walk. You know, it's not yeah. those guys. It's everyone. Again, everyone gets on the track and realizes I'm I'm not capable of winning because I'm driving a car that's downs some horsepower to the guy in the Interscope car who's tearing up the track. But that guy's still trying to tear up the track in his own way and doing a pretty good job of it. Yeah, yeah. So there are no slouches in this group. And you're kind of emotionally contending with being the guy who's in the car <clears throat> last time I drove a car, I drove a Nissan. These guys have a car. It's a Porsche RSR. It's a 1974, blah, blah, blah. And they've owned it for 21 years and they drive it everywhere. Yeah. So it's their car. They've got some seat time. They've got those, a lot. A lot of, those of guys have time. a lot of seat time they in those cars. They can feel everything. They know what's going on with that car. And those cars are dialed in and they're dialed into the car and so on and so forth. And then I'm kind of driving the car where, huh, I wonder what's going on with the suspension. I think it's not right. Yeah. And uh, so you're not brimming with confidence. Right. Um, we have, and we can put it up on, uh, what do we do, carcastshow.com? Carcastshow.com. You're like cold trickle, any car. They just tell me to get in the car and drive. That's what I do. I drive. <laughs> That's right, Superstar. <laughs> That's right, Superstar. So, we watch Rush every watch night. Rush 11 times. Every night. We <laughs> stay in Airbnb that has no, I, they don't have AM radio. They just have, they have. Uh, a disc of Rush. They have oh, a disc of the Romancing stone. the Stone, and the rest are like cartoons. Barney <laughs> meets uh, Jeffrey the Giraffe from from Toys R Us. Like, like all right, um, but uh, <laughs> so, at least they have Rush. They so have we Rush. just watch Rush every every uh, a million times. We watch it, right? So <laughs> uh, I so I made Matt call me Superstar the whole time, <laughs> which uh, the guys. Uh, British yeah, racing J- team owner. James Hunt's, you know, like chubby manager guy called him superstar. Right. Um, so we went out. Somebody <laughs> actually 
sent me the the race from Friday or the or qualifying or okay. whatever Friday and where they got the cameras the professional cameras and and put them on the lap so we can play you a uh, and, with, and what name did they use with the <laughs> they, they used my name what? and the announcer <laughs> it's it's kind what of amazing they used my name the announcer did oh let's see some of that you can turn it up a little if you if you got it or you can go back and then turn it up podcast star go back and turn the sound on <laughs> i know it's so it's uh, everything's technical i get it but but we run into this a lot where we run the clip usually dawson and then i have to tell them put the sound and they go oh yeah and then we start it again <laughs> sorry all right here we go number 48 you like celebrities here comes one in that bright red number 70 that's adam carollo from los angeles california the Comedian and podcast star, a very, very influential collector. He has a number of Nissan automobiles wow. raced by his personal racing hero, the late Paul Newman. But he is also, as you can see, a Porsche aficionado as well. I was going to say, too, as, as big a star as Adam is, the guy that actually drove that car in competition was even bigger because that was a PLN car. Yep. That's the connection. First in class and second overall at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1979. An overall winner at what is now the Rolex 24 at Daytona in 1981. Also won the 12 Hours of Sebring in 1983, driven by Paul Newman, Rolf Stomelin, and Dick Barber, as well as Bob Garretson. It's just a batch of 935 throwing up colors. the hill. That's I love one of the that things Whittington that is so Brothers fantastic yellow about car. this event, Bob, is that fire so many of the great cars are here. like Rod Emery driving the car right behind here. you. Yes. But so are so many of the top drivers that took these cars to victories around the world and the greatest racetracks and circuits in the on the planet. And, and so many of them have been brought here by Porsche so that the fans not only get to see the cars, but talk to the men that made them victorious and hear now the stories. Now that we see it, those 18s in the back look great. Like they look great. Brothers They're probably like a whole lap. Yeah. Down the hills. I pulled, the, I pulled off the, the track lane. because... The uh, you can, 10, you can pause it. Uh, I pulled off the track because when we went and took the car with Leno up to Willow Springs and did a uh, Jay Leno's garage with him. Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, the car stopped or ran out of gas or something. And what I did is I filmed, uh, you know, I, I shot a bunch of stuff with Leno. And then after a couple hours, it was time for me to head back to civilization and go to one of my 11 jobs. And the car was left behind with our guy Rob and the trailer and the truck and the dually and everything. Mm-hmm. And they said uh, to Rob, could we get some shots of you just driving around like B-roll, like you just get in the car and you just yeah. drive it around yeah. a little. Uh Stuff they never end up using, but anyway, to stay there and wear out some cylinders or something. <laughs> and then at a certain point, so Rob's like, well, the car stopped. And I said, what happened? And he said, ran out of gas, I guess, but we filled it up like before we left. Like, I don't know how we ran out of gas. And I said, oh, you think you ran out of gas? And he said, well, the light on the dashboard that said fuel was was blinking. Yeah. And I said, uh, huh. I uh, 
It does, it, race cars are kind of weird with fuel gauges and yeah, lights on. I dead. mean, you like, think it works, you hope it works, but who knows really if it works? Yeah, and you're you're you're, you're sliding all over the place, and uh, and 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 the tanks sloshing, and you know, yeah. I, I don't know. Are you really out of running out of gas? Right. But this race was like a half hour long race, and it's longer than the Rolex Historics, and you're out there for like another five or ten minutes. Yeah. You're out there for another maybe three laps, let's say. And I was at a certain point driving around on lap 11 or something, and that light started flickering. flickering yeah. And now I'm sort of up against, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I get two more laps? Or does that mean I get one more lap? I, I mean, obviously, yeah. we're eating a lot of fuel here. But I don't know. When I pull in, I got that light, and I did one more lap or a lap and a half or something, and then I pulled in. And when it came to the qualifying race the next day, the goddamn light came on again. Which, by the way, this is all when you're driving the car. You're like, Jesus Christ, Sean. I told you just <laughs> to fucking fill this thing up. Like, yeah. it's coming. It came on again. Had 15 gallons in it, went through 15 gallons. But don't worry, it's only $11 a gallon. So. <laughs> well, that's what we figured out. It's eating 15 gallons per session. <laughs> right. So now, <laughs> here's where I'm at. You tell me what you would do. Yeah. All right. I'd here's where I'm at. 16 gallons in. <laughs> I'm, I'm out there qualifying. Yeah. The qualifying session is not your fastest lap time. Your qualifying session is how you finished. If if some guy pulls off the track with overheating problems or something, I mean, he could have... Now, uh, rules work differently in different events, and I'm not going to stand by every syllable I say here, but the general thing is, is in my experience, you could have a guy out there in the Interscope 935 tearing up the track, and then he starts having heating issues, right. and then he pulls off on lap six, and then come race day the next day, he's in the very back. Yeah. And it's like that guy set the lap record yeah. and he's starting from the back, which I personally hate because it means, but oh, I think great. that's what happened. I, the, the fastest guy in the world is 14 cars behind me and I'm going to have to be looking for him <laughs> yeah. the, the whole first lap because yeah. he's coming fast, right? Yeah. So it, it actually, it kind of creates a situation that's a little more dangerous than it should be. Like that guy set the pole, put him on the pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some work that way, and then some work, which is, hey, it's a qualifying session. You get a green flag to start. You get a checker flag to end. And when you're done, it's what That's it. Whatever position, the lineup whatever is. Whatever the lineup it, was. It is. Yeah. So now we're out there qualifying, and it's like we're about nine. No, we're about, we're about 10, 11 laps in. I'm not counting the laps. I'm just – you get the feeling like I've been out here for about 20 minutes or so. I've done a few laps. Fucking fuel light comes on yeah. and starts flickering. And now I'm like, I don't know how many laps are left, but if I pull off, then I'm going to get put to the back. Right. Because this is qualifying. But I got this goddamn fuel light that's flickering the whole time. Yeah. And if I know there's one lap left, then I'm staying with it. But this is a new thing, and there could be four laps left, and I'm yeah. running out of gas. And I don't want to fucking run out of gas. <laughs> In the middle of the track and get hit from behind or have to pull into the gravel or toad. Plus, that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to <laughs> it's get embarrassing. dragged back your pit. <laughs> because of no gas. <laughs> with no gas because it seems like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I do this thing where I'm like, 
I see a flickering light. I feel like I've put 11, maybe 12 laps behind me. I feel like I'm doing okay. Turned out I was 18 out of 47, which is nothing to brag about, but in a group of 47 Porsches that haul ass, and you're driving a car that you don't drive with alignment issues, it's it's good. It's it's respectable. Yeah, it's, good. It's, it's fine. So I was like, I think if I can hold out, if I can deal with this flickering gaslight, which is obviously bumping me. Yeah. Because I heard the story about how you ran out of gas. How Rob did the. Yeah. Well, I, I forgot that that happened to Rob. So I wasn't really thinking of that. I was like, you ran out of gas? How do you know you ran out of gas? Said, well, he said the fuel light started flickering. Yeah. And the next thing you know, we we're out of gas. And I was like. <laughs> Or maybe the fuel light does work, <laughs> and you do run out of gas. So now I'm going around the track, and I'm going, how much longer are we out here? Because I'm staring at this fuel light that's flickering, and I'm waiting to run out of gas. And then at some point, we get the white flag or the one finger or the whatever, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm just, I'm just go- go. I'm just going to stay with it till the end of yeah. this. If I run out of gas, I run out of gas. Yeah, but on the last lap, you can blame it on something else. Right. So, uh, Rio. So, that's a great film. I, we get, we're bringing that next time, Max Zapata. Yeah. That's a good titty movie. So, uh, as long as it's not Red Dawn. I just, oh, oh, I can't believe you would go there. I'm sorry. That was a low blow. My bad. Any of Nate's wrestling movies. So, um, we, uh, we'll bring Youngblood. So, I, uh, I finished the qualifying sesh and uh, the lights flickering the whole time. And then we uh, pull back in. All right, I'll let you hit uh, Castrol, and then we'll tell you more. Yeah, so heat, friction, and viscosity break down and rob your engine of maximum performance. Friction results in a loss of performance of up to 10%. Castrol Edge, it's engineered with fluid titanium technology. It physically transforms to be stronger under pressure. It helps fight friction and deliver maximum levels of performance from your car. It's three times stronger against viscosity breakdown than leading oils. Castrol Edge, unlock the true performance in your car's engine. So uh, we qualified. Yeah. So wait, the flickering could mean like there's a little left because if the light is on, like hard on, maybe that's it. You know, like maybe now it's bouncing off the sensor or something, right? Flickering. To me, it's an old race car. Yeah, I, I don't so even know. I'm surprised there's a gas gauge in it. But you know, like when you're taking you're taking the turns and it's sloshing and it's a little, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a little up and down. And maybe that's what's causing the flickering. So maybe it's a gallon left, a gallon and a half left. I don't know. I, I don't know. If, I, I I am not confident that it goes solid at some point, and that means you have a minute left yeah. or whatever. All I know is Rob's voice is ringing in my ear which is the light the gas light started flickering and then we ran out of gas yeah. and that was okay. at but uh that was what, the streets willow. of willow with leno yeah so i'm like i think the light works and it's not just some short or fuse yeah. or something hey the light works the light works <laughs> they're up don't get me wrong there's a part of me that goes hey something <laughs> yeah. on the dash is working <laughs> right yeah that's a that's a new one so uh i then uh i then go all right um, I shall, uh, I shall think about pulling off, but I don't want to pull off and get put in the back of qualifying for the, uh, for the main race. So I just sort of stuck with it. And then, uh, we went and got the 
grid sheet and uh and there was a black flag in um the one one session got black flagged. Oh, I'm always a little unclear with the black, like what we do with the black flag. Am I pulling off? Are we slowing down? Yeah. Am I stopping? Uh, I always just do whatever the guy ahead yeah. of me is doing. Yeah. Those in this guys, case, they, they gritted everybody up like kind of in the starting line again. You know, the thing that's the, the most unnerving thing, uh, there's two – there's two parts of of the vintage racing that are sort of mildly unnerving, although they that you they shouldn't be, but they are. Um, putting the car on the dyno is insanely unnerving. <laughs> it just it it's so loud, it's so weird, yeah. it's so scary when you're standing there, especially anything above ground, like you know. Oh yeah, like on the lift, the rack, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but any dyno, that's unnerving, and the other unnerving part is. During the warm-up lap, and or under black flag or yellow flag, the warm-up lap when you can, when you go out on the track and you're like driving and you, you think you're driving at like I don't know at six tenths or something. You're warming it up. You're whatever. You look up and you realize like the guy in front of you's opened up a gap of like three hundred yards, mm-hmm. and you're like. I feel like I'm already kind of going fast. Like I'm, <laughs> this guy's just walking away, and now I feel like it feels like you're sort of at race speed, even when you're way off yeah. race speed. And then my thoughts always go to these guys are going half speed, and I, it feels like we're going pretty good here. Like what happens when they go to full speed? Yeah. <laughs> and then what do I do? The math always works out somehow when we get bunched up at the bottom before turn 11 and everything. I just sort of snap into it or something. Yeah. But my thoughts are always like, oh, we're moving. It's the same thing that will happen. Like if you go to a you go to a driving school or something, I always remember like, like you do the Toyota Grand Prix and at some point everyone loads up into the Toyota van. And the guy goes around the track a few times. He goes, they're going to turn 11. The fountain's a late apex, and he's driving the van. I'm always thinking, I don't know if I could keep up with this van. <laughs> like, <laughs> this van's like really this kind of van, moving. The van's yeah. moving pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, every time I've done like a track day and been like in the van, I'm like, this guy's hustling. He's hustling this van. I'm not sure if I'm up to van speed yet <laughs> in my Corvette or whatever I'm <laughs> yeah. driving. So that's always a slightly humbling thing. The other thing is, is when I see that black flag or that yellow flag, I'm always like, all right, let's take a break, you know, everybody. And then I look ahead and I can't see the car in front of me anymore. Yellow flag means everybody close the gap. That's what everybody's doing. They're like, oh, I can do it. I can keep going until I close the gap. Then I back off. Right. And so what always happens to me is I see the yellow flag and I go, Okay, let's take a breather. And then I look ahead and I don't see the car ahead of me. And then I look in the rear view mirror and, and I see up. the guy right behind <laughs> me. And I'm like, load oh. up, stack it up back there. Shit. So uh, then we pulled off of the track. Yeah. And we sat and waited. And they don't really communicate very well with you. No. And by, by when you did that, like half the cars dropped out because it was, it was not really the qualifying, I think it was a practice. Right. And a bunch of the cars just came in. They're like, forget about it. Yeah, and I should have too, but I didn't know if it was practice or qualifying and where they would put you yeah. if you pulled off. I was unaware that people pulled off. I just saw people pull onto the hot pit, and I was like, oh, I'm doing it too. But I would have pulled off. I, 
Because I, then when I thought I got they were going to call it. I got back on the track, and there's a whole bunch of kitty litter like spread out all between turn two and turn five or something, where somebody obviously dropped a bunch of stuff, and now you're not highly encouraged when you're driving through it, and the car's driving through in front of you, and it's just dust everywhere. Yeah. And you're like, did that guy hang a tire? And like, no, he's driving right down the middle of the track. Somebody dropped something on the track. Yeah. I saw I saw one of the white Porsche 944s uh, pull into the pit, um, and uh, his front driver fender was covered in in I don't know, oil coolant something. It was like they out threw of the a hood. bunch of kitty litter yeah, down out in of the, the hood. Pit. And then when he rolled in, we can see it dripping. He rolled in, kind of pulled up and stopped right in front of us. Right, and it was just it was just dripping, dripping, dripping. So then I. Stayed out because in my world, there's practice and then there's in, – in my world, everything is practice slash qualify. Practice, qualify. Practice, qualify. Right. You keep moving your way up the thing. In in the Ren Sport world, this is just practice. And I should have read our sheet a little more closely. But, I again, I'm trained to practice – everything's practice slash qualifying. But this was just practice. Yeah, just a practice. And I should I would we did five six laps, and I would have pulled off. Yeah, two except for I was scared that I would get thrown to the back of the pack if I pulled off. Yeah. So Saturday was was a was a practice in the morning, qualify in the afternoon, and Sunday was a practice in the morning and race in the afternoon. Uh, so like I guess if you did any work on your car overnight, you get to try it out again that's kind of what their strategy was and and, and it makes sense it's fine um but when they when they black flagged the group it looked like you guys are about a dozen laps into it already so we were just thinking it's black flag it's done but then they gritted you up and then let you out for like three or four laps right and And, uh, it's kind of short that's when i drove through the sack of flour that was out on the track (laughs) and then i had my first swap swap ends move out on out on that track which was like uh pretty abrupt and uh a little i wouldn't call it violent but it was happening and there was nothing i was going to do about it so that's what happened you hit the kitty litter and then went uh i don't know we can look at the game film i was i was dirt dirt there are (laughs) Places on that track, I guess everyone's this way, who's not really good. There are places on that track I have a sort of high comfort level. And then there are places on that track I have a lower comfort level. Okay. And and people, for instance, they talk about the corkscrew all the time. Like, oh, the famous corkscrew. Be careful going through that corkscrew. Matt famously got black flagged yeah. going through the corkscrew on just let the, straighter's faster. The part where you have, <laughs> let the pit pit crew guy get out there and drive your Lexus for one lap just to see what it's like, and he literally got back black flagged on yeah. a parade lap. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so you say to me, "Oh, how about that corkscrew?" Yeah, and my answer is, I've driven through that corkscrew in five tens, two thousand roadsters, turbo Z cars, two plus two turbo Z cars, two eighty ZX naturally aspirated. Porsche 935s, I've never had an issue in that corkscrew. It's just not a place I have an issue on the track. 
But shortly after the corkscrew is a part of the track that's always a little tough to negotiate because you're supposed to drive down the middle of it. And you don't go out and, and then some guys do, do a short shift. Like there's there are parts of the track I'm not fantastic okay. at. And then there are parts of the track where I have a, a highish level of, 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 of confidence. And always between turn uh, four and turn five, where you turn left and go into the uphill. Is that turn five? Where you turn left and turn uphill? Yeah, I say two, three, four. Yeah, four and five. I've always passed a lot of guys there. That's where the speed trap is. If you ever yeah, watch yeah, yeah. my videos, you'll always see me pull out and go up past guys there and go into the corner yeah. and break hard and turn up the hill and whatever. So I've always sort of had a high confidence level there. So I was like, all right, I'm going to keep kind of pushing it and pushing it and see see if I can scrub a few tents off. And uh, I just got into it, and I just knew I was carrying too much speed when I got to the end of that straightaway. Okay. And that straightaway, I think it's like, you could be going like 114, 116 or something like that, 112 on a slower day, maybe 118 on a faster day. I'm trying to think of like some of the, in the, in the twin turbo, or sorry, the single turbo two plus two car, I, I think I passed through there like 122, 124. Like it's a short sprint and you're going pretty yeah. fast when you cross it. And then as soon as you cross that speed trap, the time trap, it's, it's time to get down and slow down and get up that hill. But, but it's got a camber, you know, on it and it's a pretty good corner to take yeah. at, a, at a high speed, just not at the speed I was taking it. <laughs> uh, we'll show you the, uh, video you can guys can go to uh carcastshow.com and uh carcastshow.com watch yeah. me spin out now to be fair to me i was fully aware of what was going on when i was spinning out and 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 was already thinking about my future all right before you hit that i'll tell you guys about geico mm. everybody's got a to-do list you drop off dry cleaning you pick up some milk and now you can add save hundreds of dollars of uh, on your car insurance to that list you don't have to pick up or drop off anything just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Check out Geico.com. Love me some Geico. Yeah. All right, so you watch me. Now, I don't know what the limits of the car are, are because I never spun the car. I don't know where the edge is exactly, but I'm going to find out. And uh, I think I should get some bonus points for a speedy recovery. <laughs> All right, let's see it. But not prevention. That was quick. I've seen pit crews go slower than that. <laughs> well, I realized I was at the point. It's a little bit fun of the turn. <laughs> I realized I was at the point of the turn where you're supposed to go into the turn, 
and then apex the turn and then come out wide as you exit. Yeah. And my car was parked at the exit yeah. sideways at the exit. And I knew there's a bunch of fast dudes that were right behind yeah. me. And I was literally in the way. Now, these guys are good drivers. And I'm not saying I would have been T-boned or clipped, but... You want to avoid, you can show it again. It's Max a lot of Pata. getting back on the track is what makes those, it dangerous. Those guys passed me at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And I was not moving. Yeah. It's so always getting back onto the track nobody, is crazy. Nobody wants to get hit while you're not moving at 100 miles an hour. Because you go through the speed trap at like 116. Yeah. So now I'm where they're going to be. So I turn the wheel that way to get out of the way. And I don't want to spend any time there in case somebody does what I what, yeah. what I just did. So, all right, you got it. But either way, I think your biggest, your biggest problem, fear, is sitting somewhere at zero miles an hour and having a guy hit you at oh, 100 yeah. miles an hour in yeah. terms of... Uh, a, a buddy of mine was, I forgot what race he was doing, but he was he was driving Formula car or something, and uh, he spun off on the turn, and I don't know how or what he was thinking, or a spotter or something said, go ahead, and he spun out and, like, backed out onto the track and just got T-boned, just pieces everywhere. It was it was terrible. Well, it, we've all seen it and, happen. And everybody and, blamed him, like, because you're like, what right. are you doing? You never get back on a track like that. Like, you couldn't see where you were going. You're doing, you know, it's like it was it was rough. It was really bad. But, well, uh, well what, what goes through one's mind is I just did this. What if somebody else just does what I just did? Yeah. <laughs> They're going to hit me. So I don't want to spend any time here. Yeah, But the thing I did that was smart is when I was rolling backwards down the track on the corner in the line of fire, I cranked the wheel to the left and went like yeah, that. Yeah, it gets you out of the way, and you can see the track a little bit better. Right, right. Well, um, I don't know why. What do you think? Why are right, just carrying too much speed? Yeah. Good recovery, superstar. <laughs> 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 well, I know where the li- I know where the edge is now. The, <laughs> yeah. the second time I went through that turn, I was going like twenty eight miles an hour, like the next of <laughs> <one. laughs> uh, bone stock Prius could have. Like I literally the went guy through that the van's passing you with nineteen people taking pictures. <laughs> I went through that turn fifty five miles an hour slower the la- the following lap, literally. I also then had some thoughts like, I wonder what's in my tires. Like, uh, I wonder how much gravel has been spot welded to my tires. What you think about is, is did you, did you break the bead? Do you have rocks jammed up in the rim there and you're going to, are you going to lose, you know, you're going to lose air now? Also, I had a, a sort of act of God and the act of God, and I don't think you can see it with the camera, but the act of God was this. That car has a splitter in the front mm-hmm. that is literally three quarters of an inch off the ground. Yeah. And there's even a couple little dings and dents in it because literally there's a part where you just drive out to the track, you go down the grid, uh, the pit, pit lane, you turn right, you start mm-hmm. heading toward the hot pit, 
and there's like a little come there's bump. A, there's a bump. Every single car hits that thing. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> feel not? free to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> every event, every car. Let's get Domino's <laughs> to get one of their pothole trucks. It's a it's a little <laughs> rise. It's not much, and it wouldn't be anything if you're just driving a Camry, but you're yeah. driving cars where the front end has a piece of aluminum that's a half an inch off the ground. So thus you're almost nothing. Not much is a lot. Not much is when you're driving a golf car, it's no big deal. But when you're driving a race car, it's a kank, you know, every time we're standing in pit lane with the garages behind us. And as you are finishing up your session, all the next session is starting to roll out cars and line up and just standing there. You hear a car go, and they just hit every one of them hits. Okay, let's feel free to somebody get some guy with a, with a you know a single jerk mini mini sledge bust it up a little bit yeah fix it up let's get let's go down to home someone make a Home Depot run we got multi million dollar cars here yeah. can someone make an Oli's run there's a there's a patch that can be made for that, I'm pretty sure okay so when I slide off the track and I'm now backed off the edge of the track and I'm in the gravel. I'm looking back at the track, and what I'm looking at is a three to four inch lip. Not lip, it's just there's the track, and then the gravel drops down. It's like a little planter bed. The gravel isn't at the exact same height as the edge of the track. The edge of the track is one height, and the gravel's down three or four inches. And now I'm backed out on the gravel facing a four-inch curb yeah. with my car that has a half-inch clearance. Yeah. So that's good you saw it. <laughs> I'm just looking at it, and I thought, I'm going to go forward and just go kunk. Yeah, just take the – you're just going to stop. Take the – I don't know what to do. So what the I, bumper under what, the front what of the car. What I did is I went forward, and as I went forward, I cranked it to the right, and somehow, act of God, just miraculously got over this – chunk and again the the chunk could have been two two and a half three inches but that's that's way too much that's way too (laughs) much much. for that car that's halfway through the headlights at that point (laughs) i don't know if you can see the chunk from where from where from the camera we had going maybe maybe it's the helmet cam if you have a a bumper cam we could probably see it from that at least right Uh, i don't i don't think we had that but if you can see it from where I'm sitting, maybe maybe you can. If anyway. there was a bumper cam, you're going to get a good shot of the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about uh, Zybar. Yeah. Revolutionary new product. Our CarCast team is excited about ultra-thin coating for manifolds, headers, turbos, tailpipes, mufflers, and tips. Uh, 0.001 inch thickness reduces radiant heat by 90 percent uh first diy thermal coating of its kind we talked about this last i like this guy what a nerd (laughs) i like those guys well like we're like put it in a rattle can it's like we can't the propellants would corrupt the chemistry of it yeah i was like good answer Good answer (laughs) that is a good answer non-corrosive doesn't break down even in 2,000-degree environments, makes wraps and shields uh, and uh, expensive ceramic coatings obsolete. And, of course, it's from aerospace. Yeah. Everything starts. All the real, all the hard, the hardcore stuff, the nonsense. All the good stuff. Doesn't start. Like, yeah. you know, it didn't start in aerospace. Those 
um, fins that you would clip on your windshield wiper in the 80s <laughs> yeah. that you sold when you worked at Pet Boys yeah, yeah. to make it look like you were some sort of Le Mans racer and that was going to use the downforce to keep. That didn't start in, in aerospace, In man. Florida where there's rain, it's a big seller. That didn't start in aerospace. <laughs> did not. not. the fake plastic fins. But uh, this did. Comes in four awesome colors, bronze, midnight black, cast silver, and Porsche Gray. Well, there you go. Uh, it'll make your engine a showpiece. And they're starting to get into custom colors as well, right? Yeah. Available for purchase at Zycoat.com. Zycoat.com. And uh, other part retailer locations as well. Uh, put Zybar on. Take heat off, man. Uh, all right. I don't know if you could see that or not, uh, Maxa, Maxa Pata. Uh we're sort of looking at the film and we're just trying to see if just we can frame by frame. see yeah. where the where the edge is. But it would have been for me getting off the edge. Yeah, you start to spin right there. So <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's I'm after. Off the so when he's trying to get back onto the track, keep up, Max Pata, please. <laughs> I'm trying to get back on the track, and there's a big edge to the track. Right. Oh yeah, oh, you yeah, can't, yeah. You can, just barely over to the right corner. You, you can, can see, see like, the right. a little bit of the edge. Yeah, right. And I'm there. at a lower spot than what that is, and I was like, I'm gonna oh, bang that guy. <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna bang. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a great Gordon Lightfoot song, "The Wreck <laughs> of the Edmund Fitzgerald." He says, "Does anyone know where the love of man goes when the waves?" turn the minutes to hours and i would say when you're parked on the side of a track i was gonna say why do you remember that shit <laughs> when you're parked on the side of a track and 935s are going past you at 110 miles yeah. an hour oh it turns it t- the seconds turn to hours <laughs> like that tw- yeah. that 12 seconds felt like a goddamn lifetime yeah like i was just like i got to get out of this place but uh I think I handled it with poise and panache. Superstar. Does anyone know where the love of God goes <laughs> when the wave turns the minutes to hours? <laughs> <laughs> Find the wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald. Come on, Max <laughs> And by the way, why aren't you covering that song, dude? That'd be the one good song you, in your set. You have a lot of good <laughs> recommendations for what I should cover. First off, you know... Your stuff's fine, but you want to be a crowd pleaser. I like when people talk that way to me. You got to every once in a while play a song for the people. Yeah, like your stuff's fine and all, but you want to you want to be a crowd pleaser, you know? People are there to enjoy themselves. And they enjoy the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Okay? All right. Well, sometimes you just have to some Sometimes people have to pee during a set. You need to give them a song to go. <laughs> well, that's when <laughs> he plays one of the originals <laughs> off the new album. But when they hear it. <laughs> the legend lives on from the Chippewa on down <laughs> the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. The wreck of that Porsche 935. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. 
That good shipping drew was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. There's always there's a great line too where the cook is like he's like dinner's ready and then at some point he goes it's been nice to know you guys <laughs> like there's the, the, the cookie what, did he poison them all is he gonna kill them all I like that the first half of the song is just specs of the ship like displacement and the keel was laid on you know it's a lot of specifics here. Could it be the north wind they've been feeling? <laughs> can you picture this at a Loxy concert? I uh, I totally can. I can picture the crowd going <laughs> crazy. crazy. I've been doing it all wrong. You've been oh, doing it all wrong. wrong. Well, this is a crowd pleaser. And every man knew as the captain did too. Twas the witch of November come stealing. The witch of November come stealing. The dawn came late and the breakfast had to wait when the gales of November came slashing. When afternoon came, it was freezing rain in the face of a hurricane west wind. See, give your guitar player something to do. Rather than destroy the bathroom on the cruise ship. First off, I'm the guitar player. He's the bassist. Stop saying it was the guitar player. I didn't even see your guitar plugged in at a certain point. <laughs> oh, no, oh, the cook. Fellas, it's too rough to feed you. At 7 p.m., a main hatchway gave in. He said, fellas, it's been good to know you. Hey, fellas, I can't feed you sloppy joes. Oh, it's been good to know you. He had water coming in, and the good ship and crew was in peril. And later that night, when his lights went out of sight, came the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I just, I just think playing this on the cruise would have been in poor taste. <laughs> I thought it would be hip and ironic. <laughs> This isn't like watching Passenger 57 on your cross-country flight. <laughs> Here comes the line. <laughs> Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the words turn the minutes to hours? That's the way you feel when you're stranded <laughs> on a That's the way you feel when you're stranded on a track. Does anyone know where the love of God goes? All right, we got there. Took us a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Best time you guys ever spent. All right, we'll tell you more. Uh, you're, Matt's driving the Raptor. There's uh, so much more going yeah. on. Yeah, well, we covered it this week with Goldberg. Listen all about the Raptors. Fantastic. Yeah, I got live shows everywhere. Go to adamcarolla.com for that. Go to our website. Uh, check out Chassis, two S's and a Y.com, and Shift and Steer, Podcast One, and support the show. Go to CarCastShow.com, and mm-hmm. Facebook, and Twitter, and send us. We like send. you know, when you send your pictures and your tweets and your questions yeah. and stuff, we, we jump on it. I, I enjoy it, especially anything car related. I'm, I'm on to. All right. So, until next time, it's Adam Carolla for Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, saying, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. 
StarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com.